Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's birth story is with Haley Gallagher Katz, who had set out to have a non-medicated water birth with a midwife and a doula. So what happens after a month of prodromal labor, 40 hours of induction, the worst headache of her life, and lots of oozing meconium? Haley tells us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Adair McDonald, who provides evidence-based dynamic birth classes designed to build confidence through education and understanding. Learn more at blueheronbirth.com. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Canvas People, a super easy-to-use photo-to-canvas service that helps you get your favorite photos off your phone and onto your walls. Use the unique promo code BIRTHFUL to get a free 11 by 14 canvas. All you pay for is shipping. Learn more at canvaspeople.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. Thanks again for all the love you always give the show. I so appreciate it and for sharing it with your friends and telling people about it. It's I'm loving the comments I'm getting of how more and more people I find are finding out about the show. So keep it coming. Um, and if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. To best support this podcast, please support its sponsors, which in today's case are Canvas People, Simply Breastfeeding, and Adair McDonald of Blue Heron Birth. In fact, if Adair is listening to this, she might be surprised to hear that she is a sponsor of the show since this was something that Haley wanted to do for her. And uh, just to thank her as for being her friend and all the information she gave her and all the help when she was pregnant. So how sweet is that? And speaking of Haley and today's story, let's get to it. When Haley first contacted me to share her birth experience, she mentioned that her baby's birth was quite literally the exact opposite of everything she wanted, but that because of her choice of midwives and hospitals and all the preparations she did, she said she was not devastated, traumatized, nor does she look back on her birth with sadness. And frankly, I think there's a lot to consider here because too often you hear people of people rolling their eyes and saying that creating a birth plan is a surefire way to have it go out the window and, you know, down as a cesarean without quite understanding the underlying request of a birth plan is to be included in the process and in the decision making of wanting to be treated with respect, with kindness, with consideration, like these should be a given. Um, and it really makes a difference. Ultimately, Haley wrote that she wanted people to be reminded that even when things go wonky during your pregnancy and birth, it can still be okay. And that's why she's here today to share her story. So Haley, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for talking with me. Oh, I am grateful you wanted to share your story. Um, and before we get to your story, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I live in Chicago and, uh, I, my baby is now six months old, but, uh, the journey getting her sort of took, took a while, um, tried to get pregnant for about four years. And, um, we finally went the IVF route after trying every possible thing you can try and, um, and it worked. And so, uh, we have our beautiful daughter, Violet, who's six months old. And uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey. 
Mm, and congratulations, obviously, on having your child. And because I, I, all the all the pregnancy and all this journey is is full of obstacles for everybody. But I do appreciate that the IVF route is, can be very emotionally um, difficult. Yeah, it it was, and especially the whole thing, you know, from the from trying to get pregnant to the the birth, all of that. I the ideal was to have everything be all natural and great. And it just from the get go was like, Oh, that's, that's not happening. But, um, but you know, it's, it's okay. It's, it's sometimes it's difficult, but it ends up okay. Mm -hmm. So you were saying that from the get go, you wanted it to go everything natural when you were pregnant, um, or before you became pregnant, those were your wishes for birth and your expectations. Tell me Mm -hmm. more about that. And tell me, what did you do to prepare for that? So, you know, before to, to me, to finding the, uh, the right care provider was so important because, um, you know, having the birth plan, which I had kind of had in, as an idea in my head, you know, I, I didn't want to have the plan and then struggle to get it, you know, done the way I wanted it from a doctor or hospital that kind of doesn't go for that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I went, uh, you know, I decided that a midwife would be the way to go. And, uh, you know, in, in kind of getting my birth plan ready, I realized as I was figuring it out that, that the journey of putting it all together, of just educating myself, you know, that was even more important than the actual plan itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, having that kind of ready to go in and when I had the sort of initial interview with the midwife, um, that way I could go in and say, okay, here's what I'm, here's my ideal birth plan and to sort of have, have their reaction. And instead of it being like, oh, okay, well, we'll see what we can do. You know, I wanted them to be like, great fine, you know, and, and that's, that's how it went. So I found the the midwife group that I wanted and they were great. You know, I went in with my delayed core clamping and immediate skin to skin and, and all that jazz, you know, what's your take on eating and drinking during labor? I liked her response to that was please do. <laughs> so she it, she, it was just their standard, everything that I kind of wanted, it was just their standard. So nothing would be, you know, nothing was going to be difficult to kind of get it how I wanted it to go. Yeah. And it makes things so much easier when you not only have, you know, no red flags, but an embracing of and respect and and honoring and hearing of your wishes. Yes, it was definitely that. It was definitely that that sort of gave me, uh, I could go, I could go into that confidently. Yeah. It wasn't like red flags of like, Oh, they, you know, they kind of gave me the side eye or something. It was like, yep, this is how we do it. And you know, they're all about physiologic birth and, and just, so I was, I was happy going into that, um, that choice of midwife. Very cool. And then aside from the care provider, did you, what other things did you do to prepare? Uh, well, I listened to birthful constantly <laughs> throughout. Um, and you know, I took a, uh, my husband and I took a, um, like a, a natural birth course. Actually, we just, we were in the process of moving when I was like six months pregnant. So we were going to do, you know, a six week course, but that kind of went down the tubes. 
instead the same the woman that I wanted to take the class from, she did like a consolidated it into a full day class. So we went and did that. That was great. Um, you know, kind of like got my husband a little more on board with what I wanted in, in a more like in a way he could learn about it instead of me just spouting at him, which I would do mm-hmm. constantly <laughs> anyway. So um, so that's what I did. Cool. So then you get to, you know, day of or getting close to being the time how did how did things start well that's the thing it didn't really you know I I was my due date was December 9th and um you know I just I had been having the contractions for like a month I guess would you consider that podromal labor I mean so were the contractions so the difference would be in the the character of the contractions. And Braxton Hicks are more like a full belly cramp that mm-hmm. is unpredictable in terms of how long it lasts, how and, and, and it's more of your whole belly gets tight. Right. Um and then it randomly goes away. Yeah. Whereas any contractions related to prodromal, they look and feel and smell and sound like early or or not so early labor contractions mm-hmm. in the sense that they might start someplace and go somewhere else and ramp up and come down and have more of a pattern to them. They might go on for hours and then go away mm-hmm. and then come back and then go away. And this can, yeah. you know, it depends how long it lasts. So which one was your more close to your experience? It, I definitely, it was definitely both. I had the Braxton Hicks, but it was at, at the, you know, probably starting about three a month three weeks before my due date the you know I'd have the sort of um the cramping contractions feeling and it I would have it for a few minutes and then it would go away and then have it for a couple more minutes and I'd get really excited and then it would go away so I you know it's I'd sometimes feel them at night and every night I'd go to bed and be like maybe tonight's the night you know <laughs> then I wake up in the morning like oh damn it wasn't the night um but yeah, I had a, I, I definitely had a mixture of those. So, you know, once we hit the due date and then I was, oh, you know, a week past due, they had me go and do the ultrasound to check the amniotic fluid and just make sure that she was okay in there. And, and, uh, and she was fine. They said that she looks great. And, uh, the woman doing the ultrasound said, oh, you know, I, I'm really good at guessing the weight. And I'd say she's about eight pounds, 10 ounces. I was like, oh, okay, let's, you know, I'm ready for her to come out now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I said, maybe you're, maybe you're off a little bit. Maybe you're a little bit over, but that's okay. Um, so, and then I had my appointment with my wid- midwife at one week past due. And again, it, part of the reason I chose this group, they don't, they're not, you know, they don't press you for cervical checks or sweeps. You know, it, I hadn't had any of that, but now I was a week past due and I'm like, all right, check it out. Let's see, you know, what's going on. Um, and then she did do a sweep, which was, you know, not delightful by any stretch. Um, I've heard it called worse. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It was not fun. But, uh, you know, at that point I'm like, okay, I have a week past due this. That's fine. Let's see what happens. And, you know, I went home and still, you know, nothing was really happening. So then it was about 10 days past due. And that's when I started to get just this awful headache, terrible headache. 
And um, so then, you know, that's concerning. I'd had migraines in the past, a few, you know, but my entire pregnancy, I hadn't had any. So on my um, my next appointment with the midwife, I thought, you know, I, now I'm 11 days past due. Like, I, I'm going to have to come to some sort of decision, I think. You know, their policy, in quotes, is 14 days is when they say that they'd like you to be induced if it hasn't happened by then. So, you know, I appreciated it that it's the two-week mark because I know I have plenty of friends that, you know, one day past their due date and their doctor's like, you've got to come in and, you know, get the baby out. Um, but they weren't like that, which which I appreciated. But I went in and she was a little concerned about the headache and, and I was too. My, my blood pressure was okay. Um, but, you know, for me, I thought, how am I going to, how am I going to be in labor with this headache? You know, how this cannot be happening now. The combination of this migraine and labor, it's just, gonna, it's too cruel, you know? So, um, we decided to go ahead and start uh, going the next day. That was, um, you know, two days before my due date or sorry, two days before the 14 day past my due date, um, to start the induction. So that's kind of when my, my birth plan was, slipping, slipping away at that point. I was like, I can't believe this. You know, it's, it's exact opposite of what I wanted, but, but the headache was scaring me enough that I I felt like my body was like, I'm not having any more of this. (laughs) You know, that's kind of what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Was it, uh, how was the character of the headache? Was it similar to things you'd had before or was it different in any way? It was similar to the to the migraine, you know, insensitive to light and sound and things like that. But it started changing and it started getting um it was like excruciating, excruciating, and then it would wean off. And that was the the morning of going in for the induction. We went at eight in the morning. I walked into the hospital. At that point I could say without a doubt, this is the worst headache of my entire life. It was excruciating. It would be horrible pain. I'd have to, you know, hold my head in my hands and just, oh, the pain. And then it would go away. It was so weird. My, my midwife was like, it's almost like your brain is having contractions because, you know, that's what it felt like. And when we went in there, you know, they started me on the Pitocin and I was having contractions. You know, you could see on the on the monitor that I was having them, but I felt no pain whatsoever. And, you know, I had been told by plenty of people, oh, the Pitocin, it's going to, it's going to make your, you know, the pain a lot worse. It's going to make the pain a lot worse. I just was having no pain whatsoever, except for my headache. Um, so, you know, they're like, do you want your doula to come in? Cause I, you know, I had set up to have the doula and I was like, "I, I feel bad because I don't, I don't really need her yet except if she can get rid of my headache, that would be great. Right. Had um, they checked you um, at that point or basically because you were going for an induction from zero, there was no need? They did check. They Mm -hmm. checked me and uh, it was, you know, she was like, oh, maybe you're, you're maybe two centimeters when I got there. So they started me on the Pitocin and we're just waiting and waiting She did another sweep and checked a few hours later. No real difference. Um, And but you could see, you know, I could feel the contractions, the tightening, 
you could see them, but I still wasn't having any discomfort in that way. Um, so after, you know, it was probably three o'clock in the afternoon and I'd gotten in there at eight o'clock, three o'clock checked again, still hadn't really dilated anymore. And she said, well, why don't we give you a few options? Stay on the Pitocin, just keep going as is, uh, break your water. Hopefully that will sort of kickstart something or take you off the Pitocin and sort of let your body rest, then put you back on to do like a reset. Um, so, you know, after discussing with her, we decided, okay, let's break the water and see if that does anything again, opposite of the birth plan that I wanted. But, (laughs) um, so she broke my water. That's, you know, sort of a bit of an emotional moment. Um, and she did say there was a little bit of meconium, but she, she wasn't concerned. She was like, don't, you know, don't panic. She's like, the baby's two weeks late. It's not surprising that there would be a little bit. Yeah, because sometimes they they poop because they're stressed and sometimes they poop just because they're older babies and they're boop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've been hanging out in there a while, so. Haley, do you know why why they started with Pitocin right away? Was there a conversation about doing something like uh, prostaglandins or like a misoprostol or or cytotech? Yeah, she... she, we'd actually, the, the midwife, a different midwife has suggested, she's like, maybe they can start you even with, um, like pumping just to start off real basic, just start you off pumping to sort of get your, your, your body going on its own. And the head midwife of that group was like, I don't, I think she's beyond that at this point. So she suggested Pitocin. She's like, that's the one I think we should start with. And I took her advice on that. Although we did end up going with the side attack the following day okay. when nothing had happened. So before you, before you rush us on, which is fine, <laughs> let's, let's, let's take a break and get back to that. Breastfeeding, it may be natural, but that sure does not mean it's easy. It's a learning process for both you and baby, and like most learning processes, it takes a lot of trial and error. However, this trial and error can sometimes come with a lot of crying, and not necessarily only from your baby. Help lessen the crying and frustration by arming yourself with some solid knowledge. A great way to prepare for this is by taking the Simply Breastfeeding Online class created by breastfeeding experts Cindy and Jana. In their class, you'll learn to recognize what your baby is telling you and how to meet your baby's needs starting in the very first hour after birth. You'll also understand the basics of breastfeeding and be able to return to them if you encounter difficulties, and you'll feel confident knowing the answers to most frequently asked questions. Lessen your anxiety and frustration and relax knowing you've got this. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding to learn more. And as a Birthful listener, you get 15% off if you use the code BIRTHFUL when you register. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding or click the link on the show notes to get you on your way. And we are back talking with Haley Gallagher-Katz about her birth story. So, you know, inductions can take a long time, especially when you're starting kind of from nothing, when you're Mm -hmm. not in labor. Um, so you spend that first day pretty much all on Pitocin. Did once they broke your water, was there any change? No, there really wasn't. It was maybe the contractions picking up a little bit more. Um, but 
I still felt nothing. I still felt no, I had no pain in that way again, except for the headache. Um, and yeah, they said, well, it looks like your, your contractions are picking up a little bit, but I, I just really wasn't dilating all that much. It, that was kind of just staying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, actually the, the pain in my head that I was having, it reminded me of an episode of yours about working with childbirth pain and deviating your attention with a second pain. And I was joking to my husband, I'm like, I feel like my body has created a second pain with this headache. And maybe that's why I'm feeling nothing because the, a nurse would come in and she'd be like, so you're, you're not having any labor pain whatsoever. You're not having any pain with the contractions. I just didn't, I wasn't feeling anything. So it's funny because when you started talking about how bad the headache was, that's what was going through my brain. I'm like, really? this, this one was just overshadowing any other possibility of pain, how bad this migraine was. I know. And it, 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 finally, at some point, I was like, I would like labor pain to start to deviate from the pain right? in my brain. <laughs> you know? Some sort of happy medium would be okay. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, so that we spent the whole day sort of just in limbo and, and nothing was really happening throughout the night, you know, trying to rest, but it was really hard with the headache. And, um, you know, at some point during the night too, it, it was very scary. Like five nurses rushed in, I, you know, they had picked up on the monitor, the baby's heart rate had dropped pretty significantly. And so they ran in and it was this big, scary moment. It was dark. It was the middle of the night and they're flipping me from side to side and putting the oxygen mask on my face. And it was like, Oh my God. I mean, you know, what, what's going on? And they thought, um, they said, you know, we, we should do an internal monitor of her, which I was like, Oh my God, it's the last thing I wanted thinking of her little head getting poked with that thing. And you know, the whole bit was just like, Oh, I can't believe this is happening. And just as they thought that they needed to do that, she had sort of her heart rate went back up and everything had regulated and she was back to normal. So she hadn't the heart rate hadn't dropped and she had sort of stayed murky. She was back to looking good. So they said, OK, you know, we we want to do the least we can do with you. So, you know, we won't put the internal monitor in. You know, maybe she just rolled over on her cord or something. But it was still scary. Mm-hmm. Um. So then the and, next day they did yeah. the cytotech? Did they yeah. like turn Pitocin off? First? Yeah, they, okay. they turned it off and they said, well, let's, what do you think about trying this? I was like, well, okay, you know, what else can we do? You know, so th- they tried it. And they put like half a tablet or something in there, waited a little while, and I started feeling some kind of painful sensation. I was like, yes, I feel pain please say this is something. And then it just went away. So they gave me the rest of the tablet and I think we waited a few more hours. Um, and then at that point I was like five centimeters dilated, um, and having contractions every two minutes that they were lasting for about a minute. And that's, you know, one of the nurse was, again, she was like, well, you should really be feeling something now. And I, just she she mentioned something about an epidural again I was like could you give me an epidural for my head right <laughs> that's all I need <laughs> I've got my own high. weird epidural going on here yeah oh. really so yeah I was like gosh if I didn't have this headache 
this would be like just a, a you know, a pleasant couple of days of relaxing, you know, <laughs> like it would have been fine. Um, so yeah, then they decided that the next thing we could do is the, an internal monitor to see how strong my contractions were. Because I guess I didn't realize either that the, what they're seeing on the monitor, you know, they can see that I'm having them and they can see how long they're lasting, but they can't really tell how strong and effective they are. Yeah, the curves on the monitor are not intensity at all. And those, right. the, you see little mountains, but it it has no correlations with the intensity. It has correlation of how the monitor is positioned and picking it up. So sometimes it happens that you're seeing like small mountains, but feeling intensely. And it, and then you move and suddenly the mountains are bigger. And not yeah. that what you're feeling changed, it's just how it picked it up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So then did they do the intrauterine pressure catheter? They <laughs> did. UPC. Yep. Yeah. They did that. And, um, and so that was getting like, it was maybe eight o'clock at night. So that was, you know, I had been there for a couple of days at that point. And, uh, I, so I was like, great. I was kind of excited to see, like, let's see what we're working with here. You know, let's see if they're actually strong and I'm just wonder woman or something. And I don't, you know, I, I'm not feeling anything. Mm-hmm. So, so we do. And y- you can see, you know, she was like, okay, you know, that's a pretty significant, contraction you're having and then it kind of got sort of murky you couldn't she's just like um it's hard to see what's going on here and then I I felt something on my leg you know that they have it like taped to your leg the tube and I and my leg was wet and I looked it was like oh it was just like pouring green so I'm like well I'm not a doctor but I I feel like that's something's not good here (laughs) So she's like, well, that's, you know, that's, she's pooping. We'll maybe just flush the the tube out. So she kept, was flushing it, but it just kept coming. And then that's why she's like, you, they couldn't see anything. They couldn't see if my contractions were strong enough. It was getting all murkied up with, you know, with the poop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at th- that point she was like, well, they had to take it out. So they couldn't tell anyway. And the midwife kind of left my husband and I for a few minutes. And I called my friend who's a doctor. And she's delivered many babies. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to get her perspective. And she was like, you know, from as as a doctor and not even your friend, she's like, I think they've done literally everything that they could do. And now with all the all the meconium, she's like, I. I would call it, it's, you know, it's just time to get her out. Time to get her out of there. And what were you feeling at that oh, point? You know, I was so, I think I, I, it was such a, sort of in such a daze, you know, it was like two days and not really sleeping and having this headache and sort of all the emotion and excitement. And, you know, it was, it was a lot. And again, it was everything in my the opposite of my birth plan ending, you know, and now ending with a C-section. And I thought, you know, I, 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 this is the, this is what needs to happen. After two days of doing this, I can at least say that I can be confident in the choice of going with a C-section. And again, that's why I chose this midwife group is that they had a really great doctor who I had seen a couple of times during my pregnancy. I thought, oh, just in case, just in case I, you know, something happens, I'll, I'll meet him and see, you know, 
see what he's like. And so I had met him and he was really nice. And they do like the family centered um, C-section, the more gentle. So that's part of the reason why I chose it. So I wasn't too scared. I at least knew that um, that the C-section was going to be along the lines of what I would want. Mm-hmm. Like in trying to keep your plan as much as possible or respect that, that right. it's still a birth, cesarean birth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was maybe like plan D, but it was still in the realm of a plan. So, yeah. Um so yeah, we we told the midwife, okay, she said, you know, may, do you want to make the call and we said, yeah, let's do it. And in my mind, I thought maybe it was going to be in like a few hours or something. I I didn't really know. I said to my husband, I guess we should pack up the room because we won't come back here and then like in rushed the nurses and the doctor walked in and he was like, "Well, you know, Sorry, I'm here, but you sure gave it your best shot. So, and, um, you know, about 40 minutes later, I was in the operating room and she was, uh, she was being born. Again, another reason why I chose the group, you know, they, they allowed, they, they had us watch her being born. You know, they asked if we want to watch her being born and, and we, we did. So it was, uh, it was just crazy, you know, to go from feeling so far away from having her, you know, just not dilating and to 40 minutes later, whoop, there's my baby coming out like a rabbit out of a hat, you know? Right. Yeah. It's and it is, intense. once you go back into the OR and, and you already, or no, you didn't have an epidural, but like getting the epidural placed and then um, once that happens, it's pretty like 10 minutes later. Yeah, I, totally. Quick. And I, I didn't realize that either because, I, I, you know, you feel like there's like a bunch of stuff that needs to happen. And it was like, here I am. And yeah, getting the the, the spinal thing done and, and you're laying down and it's like, oh, uh, you're here. You're having a baby. It's like he said, oh, we're going to drop the sheet. I'm like, uh, already? You know, um, and I was glad, too, that I had spoken to friends. You know, I love hearing all birth stories. So Every person I knew that had a baby, I wanted to hear their birth story. And a couple of friends that had C-sections had mentioned that, um, you know, they were, got really, really nauseous and that they were shake, had really, shakes really bad. Um, during the C-section, I was like, oh, I, you know, I didn't realize that happened. So when that started happening to me, I was like, oh, I'm so glad that I know that this is normal because, you know, for some reason, that's like a something they leave out when you're about to have this like you might start shaking uncontrollably and need to vomit. Just know that that's okay and that happens. Yeah, and you know? even and and I think we forget also to say like even during reg regular labor and right. active labor that those shakes can show up and they're incredibly annoying because you're not cold. It's just your body's doing this and you can't control it. Yeah, it's totally out of your control, and it's it's yeah. I mean, that was probably the most awful thing about it. I mean, it was, it was so uncomfortable and you just feel like such a spaz, you know, like, and you're kind of hoping that I'm like, am I shaking so much that they can't do what they need to do properly? But of course they can, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, I was glad that I knew that that was something that happened. Yeah. So in the spirit of telling people what are the possibilities during a cesarean, what would you mind uh, walking us a little bit through all everything that happened and what made it a gentle cesarean um 
from the moment they got you out of the room to yeah yeah it was um you know I walked I walked to the OR they said oh do you want us to wheel you and I said no you know I just I've been trapped in this room for two days let's I don't want to stretch my legs and you know took a little stroll with my husband and my midwife to the the OR and I got there and the you know there's a lot of people in there um so sort of surprisingly it's like oh there's like eight people in here. And they also did have the NICU people waiting because of the meconium just to make sure, you know, in case they needed to whisk her off. Um, so, and they got there and just the vibe was very calm. There was a guy with his feet up <laughs> texting and I'm like, who the heck is this guy? And, you know, like he, and he was the anesthesiologist. I was like, oh my God. Of course. <laughs> of course. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it just felt really relaxed when it, you know, they kind of whisked me out of my room pretty quickly. I felt like it's like, maybe this is a little more urgent than they're sort of letting on for me. But, but it, but they, they kept it as relaxed, I think as, as possible. And, you know, really nice music playing, calm music. The lights weren't glaring in my face. Um, and, uh, and like you said, once they kind of get it all going you, 10 minutes later and, your baby's being born. So the doctor was really nice too. He, he put the sheet down and he was like, okay, you know, just lift your head up a little bit and she's about to be born. And, you know, lifted her up and there she was The everyone sort of cheered and then was like, that is a big baby. And I, I just seeing her, I was like, oh my God, how, her, she just looked gigantic. I'm like, how was this baby inside my body? You How know? big was she? She was nine pounds ten ounces. Okay, so you know she, there, she could have been bigger, but it was she was pretty hefty. Yeah, um, and and she was very long too. So, but and cried right away, which was which was great. And you know they, they uh, took her to clean her off a little bit and wear, and had my husband come over right away to be there. You know, watching that happen, and they did it, they did it very. It was all very quickly done and and then gave her right to my husband um who carried her over to me and you know I was able to have her against my face and have our first connection which was so so great and that was you know I always thought oh having a cesarean and not being able to be the first one to hold her that must be so sad but seeing my husband holding her and being the you know sort of the first one to really hold her it kind of made all that, the fear and the sadness of that go away because at least he was, you know, he was the one holding her and they sort of took him off to, so they could finish me up. They took him to a room to sit and be, do skin to skin with her, which I loved. So at least as I was there getting the surgery done, you know, I knew that they were together and having skin to skin time, which I was so happy about. Mm. And one of the pictures that you sent me, you can see your husband's face as baby yeah. come close. And we can only see your eyes in the background, but they yeah. express so much. Oh, yeah. I, I loved my midwife took that picture and I was just, oh, I loved it so much. And my, you could see my husband's eyes looked so happy, you know, happy and like, 
excited. And, and then I was like, oh my gosh, there's my little eyeballs are, are down there too. You can see. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's a great picture because it, yeah, it shows all oh, that fine, like finally, you know, such mm. a relief. Yeah. Um, Haley, let's take a quick break and yeah, we'll be right back. We all have our favorite photos, you know, the ones that you adore and make you smile. So here's a question. Wouldn't you love to see those special photos that have been sitting on your phone or computer forever displayed on your wall so you can see them all the time? This fact hit me hard recently when my parents came to visit after not seeing them for three years. So the last batch of pictures of them and my daughter together were from when she was 10. Now that she's 13, well, this change is huge. How lovely would it be to have a series of images of them together displayed on the wall showing how they've changed over the years? That's where Canvas People comes in handy. Canvas People transforms your photos into beautiful, unique, museum-quality canvases that are easy to hang and a fabulous way to decorate your home while showcasing your memories instead of using someone else's artwork. And here's some motivation for you to try this experience for yourself. Right now, Canvas People will give Birthful listeners an 11 by 14 canvas for free. That's a $69.99 value. And yep, that's right. You can get it for free. You just pay for shipping. So simply visit canvaspeople.com, upload your photo and enter the special code birthful. So let's recap. To get your own free 11 by 14 canvas, just visit canvaspeople.com, use my special code birthful. Again, that's birthful and all you pay for is shipping. Heads up that you want to take advantage of this limited time offer for birthful listeners before it goes away. So go to canvaspeople.com today and use the code birthful. And we're back talking with Haley Gallagher Katz about her birth story. And I'm glad you mentioned that your midwife was the one that took the took the picture because I was going to ask who was there with you since your husband had gone with your daughter to do skin to skin in another room. And I was like, did then the doula come in? What was going on? So, yeah. Yeah. So did you ever end up calling your doula? We did. Um so and I, I felt bad. I, we actually went through two doulas because I was there for so long. Uh, when I when the the first day, like sort of getting into the early part of the evening, the headache was so bad that my midwife was like, "You know what? Let's call her in because maybe she can she can at least do some things with you to help you ease the pain of your headache." So she came in and. She was so wonderful. And, you know, she did, we dimmed the lights and she had the, you know, the little candles all around the room, the little battery candles, you know, surrounding the tub that my initial plan was that I was supposed to be in. But, you know, she just, she made it kind of everything a little more serene. She did some like pressure points on me and, and was just sort of, you know, a cold washcloth on my head, like really basic stuff, but just nice, you know, nice to have somebody else there. Nice for my husband to have somebody to sort of talk to and ask questions to when I was like, Oh, don't talk to me. I can't even think straight, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that one was there for almost 24 hours. And then the next one came in, like tagged their, her out. And, uh, she was there for maybe 12 hours and so when we decided to have the C-section, I said to her, I'm like, thank you so much. But yeah, just you can go now. You know, she offered to, to come into the room. But I knew that there'd be probably too many cooks in the kitchen at that point. And, um, and I wanted her to be able to go home. 
so, so yeah, during the, the C-section, obviously my husband was there when the baby was born, but after they left, um, yeah, my midwife stayed with me. She was actually nine months pregnant. She had her baby a week later. So oh, she wow. was right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oh, once your, your husband and daughter were off to the other room and they were finishing sewing you up, um, was there anything else that, that was done as a gentle cesarean or something that, that you wanted to point out? Uh, you know, I think at that point, uh, well, you know, when I was feeling so sick, I said, you know what, I think I'm going to be sick. Like it was so bad. I, they handed me like one nurse, like handed me like a little bowl and I'm like, okay, I'm, that's going to be like projectiled across the room (laughs) um, in a second. But I said, oh gosh, I'm going to be sick. I'm feeling so sick. And the, the, um, anesthesiologist came over by my head and he was like, I'm just going to give you a little something. It's going to make you feel better. And again, in my birth plan, I, you know, I hadn't taken a Tylenol my entire pregnancy. And at this point I was like jacked on Pitocin for two days and like going through all of this. At that point I was like, fine, just, yes, just do give me a little something because I thought, you know, would I rather, be sick and throwing up right now on top of everything. No, I don't. I just want to be calm. And so about five seconds later, I was perfectly calm and no longer nauseous in any way. Um, and my, the shakes, you know, were, were calming down too, which was glad I was so glad about. Cause when I did eventually get to hold my baby, I didn't want to be like shaking like crazy, of course. Um, but that was the other part of the, of the sort of more gentle cesarean is they, they got me finished and out of there and in the room with my baby, it was under an hour, um, before I, uh, under an hour and I had her in my arms, you know, they got her situated on me skin to skin and set her up to start nursing, which, you know, that was the other fear is the C-section, the you know, being apart, is she going to nurse okay? And after everything I had gone through, I'm like, oh, please just let this, you know, let the nursing work. And they, you know, put her on me and it was like, she just latched on like a little pro and an hour, she nursed for an hour and a half. She was like, I'm hungry. I should have been doing this two weeks ago. So, so yeah, that was, that was a relief. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Because also it's one of the things that having been with the Pitocin and then the cesarean, you were pumped with tons of fluid. Yes. And so one of the things that can make breastfeeding more difficult is is that edema. Like, you know, you're pumped with fluid, so you swell, breast swell, it affects the milk, and it can be harder for babies to latch. So I'm super glad to hear that she went right to it and it wasn't a problem. I know. I was too. And yeah, like I said, that, that was the fear of after all that, yeah, getting pumped with all that stuff. And and I what I did eventually get, you know, that, that next day, you're sort of like, oh my God, my ankles and everything is just like, you're just puffed up. But it didn't affect her nursing at all, which was great. She was just like hungry and, and that, you know, that wasn't any problem. So yeah, that was, that was a huge, huge relief that in everything that, you know, 
that had kind of gone wrong that hadn't. I, I was joking to my husband that like my body can only do like every other part of getting pregnant and childbirth. Like I couldn't get her in there, but I could grow her really good and I couldn't get her out, but I could nurse her, <laughs> you know, like, mm. so at least there, there was some, some, you know, positives in there that, that I felt like my body wasn't just completely not doing what it was supposed to do. Sometimes it can't do everything, but it, it could do some things. And it seems from how you're saying it that you are at peace with that. Or is that something you're still process- processing? No, I, I really, I really am. I think, again, making uh, just that, finding the right care provider and sort of knowing all the options and sort of knowing everything that can happen Um it makes it less scary when everything is going wonky that you're like, okay, I read about this or I heard about this. I kind of know what's going on here. Um, and so, so yeah. And just like you, you mentioned about the midwife sort of treating you with respect. I think if you are, no matter how, you know, against your birth plan things go, it, it can be a really nice peaceful experience if you're treated nicely. <laughs> it's pretty basic, but if people are being nice to you, it makes the world of difference. Yeah, yeah. What ended happening with the headache? So it went away. It, you know, and actually one thing in with the headache during, um, you know, during the sort of labor that I was in, I did start getting some high blood pressure readings. So it, it, high enough that they were like, oh, this, is, this isn't great, you know, but then I'd have two high ones and then the third one that they check, it would kind of go back to normal. And then at one point the doctor was like, let's check the um, protein in the urine and I did have some, but not enough for them to fully call saying I had preeclampsia. But I had the things that looked sort of like it was – that was a possibility. Mm. So that that played a part in my decision too to to go ahead and get her out. Just that's you know that was scary it, along with the headache and then the sort of borderline preeclampsia symptoms. And um, that's one of the things that's hardest about preeclampsia is that there's no specific set of symptoms that mm-hmm. it's like you have to you need to have this and this and this and this. It's, yeah. It, some things can be present, some things can't, and yeah, it's hard to figure out. And some of them are similar to just stuff that would happen naturally to your body under those circumstances. Right, like the like a high blood pressure reading. They were like, oh, maybe it's just you're having a contraction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What point? At what point did it go away? Was it immediate after she came out, or a few hours later, or pretty much? You know, when I. holding her in my arms that I don't remember having the headache anymore. I, I, it was like, you know, it had, it had just, maybe I did, but I was all just sort of just so happy to see her that I wasn't feeling it as much, but it was, it was pretty, pretty immediate when I, by the time we got back to the sort of recovery room, my husband was like, 
how's your head? I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, it's, it's okay. I mean, it felt like a little bit sore, but it was, it, it had gotten so much, so much better. Um, one, it actually during the, the C-section, I think it had, that had started to, it started to go away then as well. And actually one thing I, I meant to mention to you too was when they were sewing me up or right when she came out, uh, my doctor said, oh, he's like, oh, this is, this is weird. And I'm like, that's not what you want to hear when someone's looking inside of your body, you know? No I'm like, uh, what's weird? What's weird? He, and he kind of backtracked. He's like, oh, not weird, not weird. But he said, your, your lower part of your uterus is contracting, trying to, you know, get out the placenta. He said, but your, the upper part is very flaccid. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, what does that mean? And he's like, well, maybe that's why she, you're, she wasn't coming out. You know, you weren't going into full labor. So it was kind of like, and I asked him, you know, in my, my appointment with him the following week, you know, what, what could, that could have meant. And, you know, he said, well, maybe it was that that was the problem. It, it, it never was contracting like it was supposed to. And so you weren't going into full on labor and dilating as you should. Or maybe it was because I had been on Pitocin for 40 hours practically and it was just so tired. Yeah. Um, and that re you saying that now reminds me of something that I've been meaning to research more. And I frankly don't know, obviously, m much about it, but... The uterus has a polarity mm -hmm. and it needs to coordinate kind of, you know, like the heart pumps one side and the other, right? The mm -hmm. uterus has a polarity of how it coordinates to pull up and then push down. Oh. Um, and it is, again, I need to do more research on this. I do. I'm writing it down. I'm going to. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's interesting. Yeah, but. When I've spoken, so like one of the things that Wapio mentions about um, possibilities for prodromal labor is the fact that it's the uterus trying to trigger that polarity and sort of sort it out, figure mm -hmm. out which way it needs to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, this is all speculation, but you mentioned you had this prodromal labor for weeks. Yes. For a lot longer than is usually the case. Yeah. Um, where maybe it had something something to do with that, that the uterus was trying to coordinate the polarity so it could properly push, and it just couldn't quite get the hang of it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, that's that that makes sense. I and mean, that's what I was thinking too uh, afterward and thinking about it. I'm like, maybe that's that was part of it that you know, all those weeks of this like little weak contraction -y feelings was maybe it was it was trying to kickstart something and it just couldn't. Mhm. Mm and it, maybe it's something completely like we don't quite know, but maybe there's pieces to put together there. Right. Right. And like, it, it, that's, you know, I've said to my doctor too, that could have been it. And he said, that's very real possibility. Or it could be that, you know, you've been on Pitocin and you're, it's a muscle that was just tired. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, there's no, there's no real way of knowing. But I did think that was interesting that he saw that and that 
to me that just made sense that it seemed like it had been trying to trying to contract for so long and it just it just wasn't happening right and that it was something that your doctor had not seen often enough so that it seemed unusual something to mention right something to mention I, I, I thought well yeah obviously it's not something he sees every day if he was like oh look at this right yeah Huh. Huh, yeah, we'll say. So, yes, exactly. Hmm. I wonder what that was about. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I usually I ask, like, what was the hardest part of this? What was the best part of it? How did it transform you? I think you've given us some of those answers, but I would like to hear more. You know, I think, like I said, that, the journey of the whole journey was just so many sort of strange things, you know, so many things that when I thought, oh, you know, I, I finally I'm pregnant, everything's going great. And the pregnancy was great. And I was so excited to have that, like the moment of like, it's time to go to the hospital. I'm in labor, you know, and I'm like, well, that's obviously going to happen. Like I'm excited for it. And then it was like, oh, well, that didn't happen, you know, and there was a lot of things that I had to sort of, well, yeah, I, now I have to get induced and now I can't have the water birth that I wanted. It was a lot of things that was like, oh, that's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen. And just sort of, you know, figuring out a way to, to come to, to a peaceful place with all of that. And I'm not sure that there was any one thing that I did, but it was just, you know, I think the ed- I think really and truly just the educating yourself to know uh, all your options that can bring you to a place of peace. You know, I I knew that when I was in this hospital with the caregivers that I chose, how I ended up with a C-section, I didn't have to be like, maybe there was something else we could have done, or I felt totally rushed, I felt totally pressured, I I didn't, and I felt kind of like I was given choices. And, um, and that just, that's what really made the difference for me and and made it all okay. In the end, even though everything went exactly the opposite of what I wanted, it was still, I can still look back on it happily. Um, and I think that, I think that has a lot to do with, with, you know, picking the right, the right caregiver. I think that's just so, so important. Mm, absolutely. I mean, so much work, so much of the labor work is done ahead of time. Right. Um, I always say, you know, pregnancy is early, 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 super early, extra early labor. <laughs> right. <laughs> Try to do stuff up front so that you, you don't have to do, it makes the end, the end easier. Um, yeah. And you know, thank you for coming on the show and, and, and sharing with us and reminding us that no matter how babies are born, those are every which way, it's still a birth. Like a cesarean yeah. is still a birth. You still became a mom. Your husband still became a dad. Yeah. And you got to see your child be born. So, yeah, it's, I'm glad you had a lovely cesarean. Thank you. I, I definitely am, too. Yeah. How did postpartum go? How were those first few weeks? 
You know, it, it, again, that was something I was really thankful for too. It was, um, uh, the relief of her nursing and that going great was, was huge. Um, and you know, I, it was actually, so it was the, the 22nd at 11 at night, she was born of December. So my family was at our house for Christmas and, um, you know, you have a cesarean and they're, all the nurses were like, oh, well, it looks like you'll be in here for Christmas. And I thought, oh, I just want to be home. Like I have my baby now. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting out of this joint before Christmas day. Like somehow if everyone's okay, if I'm okay and she's okay, like there's no reason for me to have to stay an additional night here. Like I can get home Christmas Eve. And so that was my goal. I had a really great nurse too. I'm like, what do we need to do to get out of here tomorrow? And she's like, well, you know, you had a, you just had a cesarean yesterday. So I don't really, I don't know if you're going to be able to get out of here, but we did, we got, we, we got out. Um, I talked to my doctor again, who, he was great. And he's like, you're fine. You know, your parents, they, I said, you know, we've got support system at home. There's my parents and my sister were there, you know, cooking and cleaning and we could go, you know, home to like a great ideal situation. And, um, and the baby was fine and they did all the tests that they needed to do. And, and we got home. So we came home Christmas Eve night, which was just like this wonderful Christmas present. Um, and she was nursing constantly. Um, you know, you hear, oh, that, you know, the baby's going to eat every three hours approximately. And she was like every 45 minutes. I mean, she was just hungry. <laughs> and, but I was thrilled. I was just so happy that she was healthy and, you know, and, uh, and taking to nursing so well. So yeah, it, the, the recovery was really good and, you know, it's, a, it's a cesarean, so it hurts. I mean, you're sore. Um, and not being able to just like get up out of bed when you hear your baby crying and reach into the bassinet and grab her. It's like, Oh, it's kind of a bummer. You just want to get right to it. But, um, but yeah, overall it, the, the, the recovery was, was good. And again, I'm sure that that, that helps with, you know, with how you look back and see everything. I'm sure if I had some complication, of course, that, that makes everything so much more difficult, but it was, it went, you know, it went really well. And my doctor is big on the V-back. So he said, if you have another baby, I don't see any problem with, with you giving that a go if you want to, whether or not I do, I don't know, but. Yeah. 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 That sounds like a lovely Christmas gift, right? Absolutely. Um, and the fact that you had your support system there in place and they were cooking for you and really taking care of you and, and yeah. you know, doing the things that you need during postpartum so that you can just focus on recovering and healing, especially from a cesarean and just filling, fulfilling your child's needs when yeah. she wants to eat nonstop. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I could just sort of sit there with my feet up and, uh, and feed her and just kind of be in, be in the, the happy, just had a baby days. Mm, so cool. What resources or thoughts do you want to make sure the listeners, the other mighty people out there know about? Um, well, you know, like I said, what I did for 
for prepping and 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 really educating myself as as much as I could was taking the taking a birth class, which I think is really really important, and not just for you but for your husband to sort of get hands on and and feel included, you know. But really, I birthful to me. I listened constantly. I listened to it all the time. I, I, you know, started out listening to all the stuff like the water birth and all the sort of more natural things and all the stuff that I thought applied to me. Uh, and then once I had gotten through all those, I was like, I started listening to the birth stories and then listening to the birth stories. It was like, huh? Yeah. You know what? Sometimes things don't go as as planned. And so that kind of got me listening to the C-section and the induction and and all all those other ones where that I think is what really helped me prep for what initial what ended up happening with me. So uh, to me uh, that your your podcast was like my my go to, uh, and then you learn things too, and you can you know you have so many resources that you can sort of go and do your own more specific research as well, but. But that to me was was um, just so helpful. Mm. And I love to hear that that evolution of what you listen, and then you heard the stories. You're like, oh, maybe I should. And then you were listening to the other things, and yeah. you also did the postpartum class. Yes, I did. Oh, that was that was so helpful, especially having the C section and just like you know not being you just not you're not quite as mobile and. Um, so I had like, I had all my little printouts of like the, my weeks, you know, and so I could just like be in bed with the baby and like have my little printout and be like, okay, you know, how much should she she be eating or how many diapers should be going on just to have, have that at like, just at my bedside, just ready to, to check in with was, was so helpful. And just to take the, take the stress up a little bit when you're like, ah, I've never done this before. You know, my husband would be like, she didn't, she didn't poop. Is that normal? I'm like, check the, check this packet, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was, it was really, really great. Love the postpartum course. Yay. So cool. So cool. And it seems like he also benefited from all this knowledge. Yes. First and second hand. <laughs> yes, he really did. He had no idea that he was going to learn as much as he did. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it totally, it, it really helped him too. Oh, so very cool. Well, I am thrilled for you. And even, I'm thrilled the fact that even though, because you can't control circumstances, obviously you learn that, but you can control how you show up. And the fact yeah. that you did all that preparation so that when things went the way they did, you could still figure it out in a way that you were heard and respected and had a great, you know, first meeting with your baby. I'm so happy yeah. for you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is so great. It was so nice to talk to you. Mighty Ones, check out the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member, benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. And if you're in the last few months of pregnancy and feeling unprepared for what's to come, then go sign up for my Thrive with Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. Let's get you postpartum ready. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, 
the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by Blue Hair and Birth Education, Canvas People, and Simply Breastfeeding. To best support this podcast, support its sponsors and get free goodies while you're at it. Go to canvaspeople.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for a free 11 by 14 canvas. You only pay for shipping. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network, a network of podcasts focused on parents. Download the free Parents on Demand app for Apple and Android for easy, on-the-go listening. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to a new birth professional to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.